How's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. This is your host, Thomas Pimlin, coming at you. Uh, we got no fe- features today. I'm just like J. Cole on the track today. So today is Tuesday, November 13th. It's about 1 o'clock. I'm coming to y'all a little bit earlier than usual. Usually we come at night just because I got a guest on. You know, we all got to go about our business during the day. But since I don't have any of that today, I figured I'd get right to it to y'all early. And I'm actually going to start today's podcast off and we're going to talk a little bit NFL. Uh, first, I got to give a shout out to Cohen. Um, he went off on me this week in the Hot 100. Not my best. I mean, I still was positive, guys. I mean, let us let me pull up for y'all our Hot 100 results. You know, Cohen, man, he's all about these parlays. And y'all know my feeling on parlays. Yeah, they're fun to do for a little bit of money every now and then. But, I mean, if you look at the – I guarantee you, if you've placed a lot of parlays and you go back and look at them, you're not really going to hit too many of them. But Cohen did pretty well this week, guys. I mean, he had some good action going on. Almost all his parlays, like, were missing by, like, a team or maybe, you know, like, they barely – he was barely missing a parlay if he missed any of them. So Cohen ended this week plus 125. I was plus 57. So, I mean, not a terrible week for me. Once again, guys, we brought the hammer to Alabama first half and then first quarter and Bama game spread just like last week. Same thing, same results. So, I mean, if y'all are hopping on that, I mean, what are you doing? You're throwing away free money. But I was plus 57. Like I said, he's plus 125. Total for the show, he is plus $45. I'm plus 101. So I'm one and one now. Cohen is one and one as well. He'll be on again this weekend. We can go head to head one more time for y'all for the Hot 100. You know, I'm really enjoying that. It's my favorite segment I've added to this show so far, but last thing here before that I dive in deep to the NFL and the week it was in the NFL. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to my boy Karis LeVert. I just got news a few minutes ago. I was pretty hurt earlier. Like I said, guys, those of y'all who play fantasy basketball, he's my big time sleeper this season. This guy was absolutely eating buckets. In 14 games this season, LeVert had 18.4 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.2 steals. This was in 29.7 minutes per contest. So, I mean, he's not even playing in your per, I believe it averaged is out to 36 minutes per game. So, I mean, he's not even getting 36 minutes per game. So this is crazy. I mean, this kid's a baller. I liked him from the moment I first watched him play at Michigan. He can absolutely get buckets. But my big thing was he was the only player in the league this season to convert multiple game-winning baskets with 10 seconds or less remaining in regulation or overtime. So that means um, Lavert is a big-money buckets getter. I mean, game coming down the wire. You got to get the ball in his hands. I mean, this kid has a really bright future in the league. It was a shame to see that happen to him last night. That injury was gross, but I'm glad to hear he's going to come back this season. Minor setback for a major comeback. So, Shout out to you, Levert. Keep doing your thing, boy. Keep exercising. Get back in there. Keep rehabbing. And I know you're going to come back and be just like you were earlier. So you'd love to see that, guys. That actually, I was kind of upset last night seeing that happen, but that makes me feel a lot better today. So let's dive into it. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty boring week in football. Not a whole lot going on in, in uh, college football. I'm going to do NBA before I do college football. Obviously, the biggest story of the week is the Jimmy Butler trade, but I'm going to talk NFL before I dive into that. Um, Got to start the show off, guys, with my squad the Falcons and I'm absolutely embarrassed in this loss we just suffered last week Uh, the Falcons did not play well at all Um, lots of problems I mean we didn't have any sacks the week after adding Bruce Irving so I mean I hope that next week will he'll kind of feel a little bit more you know he'll feel better in there I noticed a lot of times too the Browns ran the ball when he was on the field because we had that NASCAR package in so I mean they will definitely run the ball over us I mean that game was embarrassing guys I mean yeah our offense is due to play a bad game every now and then 
So I can understand that. But I mean, we left a lot of points on the field. We couldn't convert on third downs. I mean, we couldn't convert on the goal line. That was just like week one all over again, going four and out on that goal line. And that was pathetic. We had the ball inside the three yard line. So, I mean, it was a combination of a lot of those things that hurt us in this game. My biggest thing, though, guys, was the Falcons absolutely had to play better on third down. We were five for 14 on third down. The Browns were four for eight. We were two for four on fourth downs. And we threw that touchdown to Hooper, which was a touchdown the first time. Dan Quinn had to do better. I thought Dan Quinn coached one of his worst games this season you know that's been the biggest thing is when Dan Quinn coaches a good game the Falcons look good and we win when he coaches a bad game we lose and I feel like that was one of the differences in this game I mean if you look at the stats we threw for 311 yards we did have two turnovers they were both lost fumbles so I mean that sucks a lot they're turning the ball over both those times I mean we still got the big interceptions so Casey got for us so we kind of got back Adam with that I mean we they ran the ball over us there our run defense was pathetic giving up 211 yards so We can't tighten that up, guys. The Cowboys are going to have a field day running the ball over us. But you know what, guys? I'm actually going to be positive here. I've stayed positive with the Falcons as much as I possibly can, even through leaving Deion Jones. Guys, Debo is going to be back this week or next week. He's a top three linebacker in the NFL when he's on the field. He will make up for a lot of these mistakes. He's best coverage linebacker in the league. He can come up and stop the run when those quarterbacks want to run around the backfield and extend the play. Deion Jones comes up and spanks him. We've seen him do it many times. He will come up and smack them. The kid is fast. 4-3 linebacker. I mean, 4-3 speed linebacker. Come on now, guys. Um... We can do this. We're at home. I mean, I'm not going to buy into the Cowboys. We trashed them last year. Their fan base is so annoying. I've never I've never argued with the other fans so much at a game. I loved it. The Cowboys fans are talking all this smack. Then once they lose, try to fight you for talking to them. The Falcons, we, we're harassing them. I love it. Falcons fans, we need to bring the same energy this week. Let's bring the energy. So looking down our schedule right now at the Saints on Thursday Night Football, I hate to say it, guys. I think the Saints are the best team in the NFL. If anybody can go in there and beat them, it is us. Just say we're going to beat them, though, is absolutely far fetched I have to you know I have I can't I can't I can't be a homer I have to be legit here so I think personally the Saints beat us that game I think that is the one loss we can suffer I think we can go into Green Bay and win I think we can go into Carolina and win with Deion Jones you know we got to run the gauntlet guys we've done it to ourselves but this Falcons team like me and Cohen say play the best with their backs against the wall we've seen them do it time in and time out back against the wall we get the job done so I mean it's definitely a little bit of a stretch right now to say we can make the playoffs but Let's get hot, guys, and see what happened. We did it last year. Who's to say we can't do it again this year? We're getting healthy at the right time. We're getting guys' experience. I mean, that was a bad road loss, but, I mean, if shit happens on the road in the NFL, that's the only way to say it. So let's stay positive, guys. Let's hope Deion Jones coming back here helps bolster the Falcons. So, I mean, we left a lot of points on the field last week. That's the way you got to look at it is we, we could have won that game as bad as we played. We just didn't execute properly. So I'm going to stay positive here, guys. Back against the wall. Let's go, Falcons. Let's get it. Um, next big thing to me I think a huge story that some people are overlooking right now yeah it's getting a little bit of coverage but not as much as it needs is Cooper Cup tearing his ACL for the Rams this is Jared Goff's favorite target when Jared Goff and him were working out they roomed together I mean this was Goff's go-to guy throwing the ball so I think losing Cup here is huge and I think it makes the Saints the best team in the NFC the, the Rams still have a very tough schedule. I don't know if they can beat the Chiefs this week. That game is going to be difficult. I really don't know what my pick's going to be in this one yet. I'm leaning towards the Chiefs right now. I rank them number one in my power rankings. Looking at the rest of the Rams' schedule, their only other really tough opponent is at the Bears. I think they could potentially lose that game, but I think they can easily win out and win the rest of the games on this schedule. So looking at all that, guys... 
this is going to be huge for the Rams, this game against the Chiefs. I mean, this game is massive. I'm not really going to talk about it right now, just because I'm trying to talk about this week stuff. But whoever has home field advantage between the Saints and the Rams will be massive. No one is going to the Superdome and beating New Orleans. And I love this week how everybody was picking the Bengals. Y'all saw my hot 100 pick, guys. I picked the Saints to cover this spread, and they covered easily. It looked easy for them, 51 to 14. I know the Saints are saying they need number one two, uh, or number two receiver right now, but I really don't think the Saints need a number two receiver. Now, the Saints do have a really tough schedule schedule coming up like we were saying earlier they play the Eagles next week then they get the Falcons both these games are at home though like I said it's gonna be hard to go in there and beat them then they have three road games in a row at Dallas at at Tampa at Carolina versus the Steelers and then versus Carolina again so I mean Saints have have games against all good teams pretty much except for the Buccaneers but I mean the Bucs can still score points and they're going to be at home they did beat them earlier this year but I think the Saints come back with revenge in their eyes and in their hearts to come out here and get this revenge obviously they would still like another target I'd I don't know how Brandon Marshall's going to be, honestly, guys. He really hadn't done anything the last couple years. I think he's kind of towards the end of his career. He's kind of done at this point, so it'll definitely be weird to see what happens here. But I think the Saints will be fine. I think Cameron Meredith needs to try to use him a little bit more. Oh, fuck me. Um, no, sorry, not care. I mean, the Saints, guys, they just need to find another two receiver here. Like, Ben Watson played decent last week. He should have definitely gotten the end zone a little bit more. Like I said, though, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they're able to use um, adding Brandon Marshall to this team. This this would be Brandon Marshall's first time ever playing in the playoffs. Obviously, the Saints are going to get to the playoffs. So this will be his first ever trip to the playoffs. You think about it, guys, as long as Brandon Marshall's been in the league, this man deserves to go to the playoffs. So definitely a good thing to see for him. But I just think the Saints are better. The Rams' defense is good, but they've been giving up a lot of points lately. These have been some high-scoring shootouts. Obviously, though, I, the Seahawks did get a garbage time touchdown at the same time guys so you can't overreact to it too much I just think defensively the Rams have to play a little bit better um, Aaron Donald's got to get back there and wreak a little bit more havoc. I liked, though, how Aaron Donald kind of reverted back to his old days back when he played at, um, at, at Pittsburgh, how he doesn't take any scuff from anybody. The biggest problem, though, guys, for the Rams has been all season long. Them and New Orleans both give up lots of yards. So they're both letting teams move up and down the field. On New Orleans is 20th in the league in yards allowed. The Rams are 23rd. Obviously, that doesn't really account for bye weeks as well. Um, there's Even still, though, when you account for bye weeks, both these defenses still giving up lots of yardage here so these teams definitely need to improve upon that all right guys so moving from the falcons it's only right that i talk about the saints here and so obviously the big conversation right now is who's better between the saints and the rams like i've been saying guys week to week it all comes down to here who has home field advantage right now the rams they sit at nine and one the saints also they are sitting currently at i believe nine and one um yeah, or no, eight and one. Yeah, so the Rams haven't had a bye week yet. So these teams pretty much neck and neck. Obviously, the Saints hold the tiebreaker. Looking at these schedules, the Saints have a much harder schedule. The Rams have to play the Chiefs this week. That's really the only game I could potentially see them losing around their schedule. Rather than the Saints still have to play the Eagles and the Falcons. Both those are home, guys. Like I've been saying. Who's coming in the Superdome and beating Drew Brees? I mean, we've seen them in the Superdome. They're pretty much unbeatable. Yeah, they did. All right, they did lose week one to Tampa Bay. But, I mean, guys, it's week one. They're a completely different team. Yeah, they played within three points of the Browns. Yeah, the Falcons beat them, only lost them in overtime because they got the ball first. But then after that, they've been lights out. They smashed the Giants, who were trash. They... 
embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed the Redskins on that Monday night football game. I mean, at the Ravens, that was in the Ravens are still a decent football team. But ever since then, I mean, at the Vikings, those are two high quality road wins. Then you beat the Rams, even though it's at home and embarrass the Bengals at home. I mean, this Saints team is on fire right now to say the Falcons, and the Eagles are going to go in there and beat them is absolutely ridiculous, especially the way both of us played last week. It was embarrassing for both these teams. I'll talk about the Eagles in a few minutes. Um, then they have to play at the Cowboys, at the Bucks, at the Panthers versus the Steelers versus the Panthers again. I mean, to say they can run this gauntlet here and not lose another game is crazy. So it's a big thing to me right now that they hold the tiebreaker with the Rams. And it's also a huge thing. The Rams just lost Cooper Cup, guys. And I don't know if y'all know that much about Cooper Cup or not, but this is Jared Goff's favorite target. This is his roommate when that he was first drafted in the league. This guy trained with him. I mean, J- Cooper Cup pretty much this season has doubled his stats from what he had last season. Or not doubled them, but he pretty much has the same stats through eight games that he had in 15 last year. Last year, he had 62 receptions. This year, he's 40 on 95 targets last year, 55 this year. He had 869 yards last year. He's 566 this year. Average, pretty much the same average yards per, um, per play, 40. 14, 14.0, 14.2 this year, but he has one more touchdown already this season. He had one turnover last year. He's none this year. He's their leading receiver in yak. That's yards after catch for those of y'all that don't know that. Now, I look for them to get guys like Josh Reynolds involved more, who we've seen had a big week against Vikings, so that's definitely a plus for them. Also, look for Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods to get the ball a little bit more, too. Tyler Higby maybe get involved a little bit more. Obviously, you got the touchdown machine in Todd Gurley, so I mean, it's not the end of the world, but when your go-to target goes down, down the guy you go to on third downs he targets cup the most of any receiver on the team on third down so that'll be huge right there I mean it just feels good to have your security blanket on the field so I think that puts the Saints a little bit ahead of the Rams obviously in net yards per game um, the Rams right now are currently second in the league. The Saints are fifth, pretty much in defense yards per game. The Saints are 23rd. The Rams are 13th, but yardage wise, it's only about 20 yards difference. Uh, points per game, it's like two points per game different. I mean, it's a bunch of, it's like 13 into 23 again, but it's only like three or four points, which is not really that big of a difference. In points per game, though, New Orleans puts up 36.7 per, per game. That's best in the NFL. The Rams are third in the NFL at 33.5. And My biggest thing, though, to me, guys, is I feel like the Rams played their best football at the beginning of the season. They beat the crap out of the out of the Raiders, beat the crap out of the Charger or out of the Cardinals. They beat they beat the Chargers. It was a decent game, but I mean, they still dominated that entire time. They beat the Vikings by touchdown, barely beat the Seahawks, and they barely beat the Broncos. Obviously, they killed the 49ers, 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 the Packers. I mean, if 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 Ty Montgomery can listen to the coach, who knows what happens here with the Packers? But lose at the Saints, barely beat the Seahawks. I just feel like this team is kind of the team I said they would be. They'd go 15-1 and one in the regular season, possibly 14-2 and two if they lose to Kansas City this week, and they lose in the second round of the playoffs. Now, I don't know necessarily if they'll lose in the second round of the playoffs, but if the Saints have home field advantage, I'm sorry, guys, no one is going to New Orleans and beating them. This game this weekend is huge. I'll talk about it more this week, but as of right now, I put the Saints at number two in my power rankings. I still have the Chiefs as the best team. I had to knock the Rams down to number three. I just feel like the Saints right now or the hotter team. They're more convincing. So it'll be interesting to see which one of these teams peaks or which one of these teams rolls hot into the playoffs. That's a big, big thing. Like, remember the Falcons a couple years ago that year when we went to the Super Bowl? We were on fire rolling into the playoffs. We played well all season long, but we really caught fire. I mean, I feel like that could be the Saints right now. I mean, if the Saints went out on the schedule, man, and they're not banged up, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch, guys. So I'm excited to see everything that happens here with this. So the last thing I'm going to say, guys, before I round out this segment here is, so the Rams, they only have one more interception around than the Saints do. The Saints 
are, or the Rams are third in fumbles recovered. Saints are 18th. So, I mean, that's a decent turnover margin right there. Then sack-wise, you got the Rams at 26 six sacks this season. That's ninth in the league. You got New Orleans down here at 23rd at 21 sacks. So, I mean, these teams on paper are pretty, pretty similar. They're almost the exact same team. So, I mean, I really, guys, just the Saints home field advantage is so much more than the Rams that I got to give the Saints the, the edge here in this matchup. So, losing Cooper Cup and all that's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird to see how they're able to integrate Brandon Marshall in this offense, but... I'm excited, guys. Last topic I'm going to talk about here in the NFC before I move over to the AFC. I got two teams to brag on the AFC. That is the Eagles, and the Eagles are absolutely mind-boggling to me right now. The Eagles, this is a game every single person, every single stat, every single thing you can think of was on the Eagles' side, and they still blew it. 20-27, Carson Wentz didn't, I mean, yeah, he threw for 360 yards, but he also had a horrible interception, and that looked awful. Ezekiel Elliott ran all over them. I mean, looking at this game, guys, and watching this game, I just think the Eagles, guys, their run offense just looks awful right now to me, and they could not run the ball at all. They got 71 yards on the ground opposed to 171 to the Cowboys. The Cowboys absolutely dominated them in time of possession, 33 minutes to 26 minutes of having the ball on their side. I mean, there was only that one turnover, but Dallas's defense to me, guys, was a big difference maker in this game. And so I just feel like Carson Wentz isn't still isn't comfortable yet. I mean, yeah, if you're the Eagles, yeah, you threw for 360 yards, but you lost. Last year, the Eagles used to power run the ball over teams and control the ball. That was their biggest thing is they kind of imposed their will when they were running the ball on these other teams. And that just didn't seem to work out for them at all. I mean, I thought they did an all right job of getting Golden Tate involved in their offense. He got four targets. He had two catches. I like how they're using his kick return to try to get him to be a playmaker. But like I said, guys, I think the Eagles still win this division at 9-7. and seven. I think that's the record it's going to take in order for them to win this division. They still have a really hard schedule left, guys. They have to play at the Rams. They still have to play at the Cowboys. They're at the Saints this next week. So they still have to play the Redskins twice, too, and they have to play the Texans. So the Eagles, guys, could potentially miss the playoffs here. It's going to be interesting. The back's against the wall, too, just like the Falcons. When these teams have their back against the wall, this is when you learn what they're made of. But, guys, the Eagles right now are just... It's baffling to me. The defense has not been as good. They're giving up a lot more points this season than they were last year. I personally think there's too many problems in their locker room. We have we have Lane Johnson talking about, oh, we got to have fun. We got to do this, that, and the other. We got Malcolm Jenkins talking all kinds of unrelated football stuff. Then you throw Michael Bennett in the mix. I just think there's too much going on in this locker room. I mean, Doug Peterson's a great coach and everything, but I just feel like there's way too many personalities and it doesn't work out. We saw it fall apart in Seattle. I think this is kind of what's happening with this team. They're frustrated right now. If the Eagles were to come in and get this win in the Saints, it would be absolutely huge and help them turn everything around. I think the Eagles are playing for a lot this week is falling behind to four and six would be a huge, huge loss. I mean, you can't really afford to do that. I mean, they got to keep playing better. Obviously, the Tech or the Redskins have to play at the Texans this week, so that bodes well for them. Cowboys are at the Falcons, so hard games across the board for these three teams competing to win this division, but it's gonna. It's not going to be easy by any means for the Eagles. If the Eagles are a playoff team, they will get in the playoffs and they'll prove it to us, but their defense has to play better, guys. They need to force more turnovers like they did last season. They need better play out of Carson Wentz. They need MVP-like play out of Carson Wentz. That's their biggest problem is that's what they're not getting right now, so... I just feel like guys that wins, it's gonna he's gonna struggle. I knew he would struggle coming back, but the good thing is game by game, week by week, he can get more situated in there better and better. But I just feel like coming on off a of bye week to play the way they played against Dallas was absolutely embarrassing. And I've lost a lot of faith in the Eagles guys. They got a lot to figure out still. So 
It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Let's move on here, though, to the AFC now, guys. Here in the AFC, I want to talk about the Titans and the Steelers. So the Titans, guys, are a team that I picked to make the playoffs. The Titans played their best football game of the season against the Patriots. They've played their two best games back-to-back since this bye week, beating Dallas and beating New England. They beat New England handily in this football game. And this defensive unit they have, guys, is really, really, really good. They're slept on Wesley Woodyard, their linebacker. I mean, Logan Ryan in there, he makes all kinds of plays for them at corner. I love the way he, he just sets. I mean, I just love Logan Ryan. I think he's a really good playmaking corner for his team. Kenny Vaccaro, he's a really good safety. Jarrell Casey, Malcolm Butler, everyone thinks he's kind of overrated, but if you just look down this defense, I mean, Larry Harold, the rookie out of Boston College, I mean, they're kind of stacked up on the defensive end, guys. I mean, this is a team that I picked to make the playoffs, and the Titans can still easily make the playoffs. Um, the Steelers, um, I'll give, actually, this is the last thing I'll say about the Titans. Matt LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, he's a guru, guys. He, look what he did with Matt Ryan. Look what he did with Jared Goff. Look what he's doing with Mariota now. Mariota has played two great games in back-to-back weeks. This is a game where he threw for 228 yards and two touchdowns against a suspect New England defense. It's the biggest thing about New England, guys. Their defense isn't great. They haven't played well on the road either this year. They're not going to have the number one seed. They're probably going to have to go into Arrowhead, which is an environment, guys, that tops Seattle. They top Seattle. This is not going to be an easy game against a beast quarterback and Patty Mahomes. And you could say, oh, they barely beat the Cardinals this week. Yeah, they were running the ball, trying to run clock. I mean, Tyreek Hill was up there watching himself score a touchdown again and watching himself getting penalized. But that's beside the point, guys. I love this team that the Titans have. I mean, they've been running the ball really, really well lately. Derrick Henry, they've been using him. They kind of they do a good job switching their running backs in and out. They use Deion Lewis in the actual, like, basically from 20 to 20, they use Deion Lewis. And then 20 to end zone, they use Derrick Henry. I mean, these guys split for going for over 100 yards. Obviously, the two touchdowns were to Derrick Henry. Deion Lewis is also a beast in the pass game, even though he only had two for 11 this week. So I personally love this Titans team. I think they're going to keep on rolling. They're going to keep on. They're going to stay hot, keep winning games. They have a pretty favorable schedule, too. They still have, they play the Jags, Jets, Giants, Redskins, Colts, and at the Texans. They play the Colts twice, actually. So, I mean, very favorable schedule for the Titans. I could definitely see them in the playoffs. Um, as of right now, my playoff picture, looking at the standings and everything, I still have the Patriots in there as a division winner. I got the Steelers. I'm going to brag on the Steelers here in a few minutes after I'm I'm done looking at playoff picture. That'll be how I close out my NFL segment this week is bragging on the Steelers. Um, uh, let's uh, let's keep let's keep giving the rundown here though. We got the tight or the Texans obviously going to win their division. I or not obviously. I mean the Titans have made this a close race at this point, but the Jags look done, guys. I told y'all Jags were not making the playoffs this year. And then you got the Chiefs, a team that I was not high on going in the season. I thought Pat Mahomes would have learning struggles, but he's adjusted way too easily this league. It looks like it's second nature to him. But the Chargers. And Titans right now, I mean, guys, that looks like your wild card teams right there. So my playoff prediction is looking pretty accurate. The only team I had was out of the Broncos instead of the Chiefs. So that looks like it's really the only mistake I've made. We'll see. See if these teams can stay hot. Obviously, Cincinnati's not out of it by any means with Pittsburgh. They're sitting at 5-4. and four. I just feel like Cincinnati was much better team at the beginning of the season where they started out winning four of their first five. Since then, they've dropped three out of their last four. And it looks like it's only going to get harder for them as the season goes on. So... I don't really see Cincinnati making in the playoffs here. Obviously, the Ravens have gotten worse week to week. They got a bye week this week. It'll be weird to see if they try to keep on winning or if they switch over to Lamar Jackson. Looking at the NFC, as of right now, it'd be the Redskins, Bears, Saints, and Rams as your division winners. And then your wild cards would be New Orleans and Minnesota. Um, 
I mean, not New Orleans, Carolina and Minnesota. Personally, guys, I mean, Falcons fans, we have to prove it before I can say we can get in. I can't say I think we're going to get in the playoffs as of right now, guys. I think this looks pretty accurate as to what the picture would be. I think Seattle, Atlanta, Green Bay, and Philadelphia, obviously Dallas, too. I think all those teams have a shot. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath. The NFC is really beaten up on each other a lot, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. It's big weeks coming up, guys. Lots of big matchups. There's big matchups this week we'll talk about, though, on Matchup Podcast. I want to stay on everything that happened this week. The last team, guys, that I was extremely impressed with this week was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys, they came out and they absolutely smacked the Panthers. They just smacked them. The Panthers drove right down the field to start the game. And I was like, all right, we got a good game tonight, boys. But no. Pittsburgh, after that, they forced turnovers. They were all over the place, flying all over the ball. I mean, Pittsburgh, guys, this is a game they just dominated. This team looked good. James Conner did get hurt in this game, which kind of hurt them. But I saw that he is back. So, I mean, as long as they got Conner in there, they're going to be good to go. Pittsburgh threw for 319 yards. Big Big Ben was almost flawless. 22 of 25, 328 yards, five touchdowns. That is absolutely feasting. Big Ben went off in this matchup. They still ran for 138 yards despite the injuries. They held Carolina to 95 yards rushing and 147 passing. Carolina barely even got over 200 yards this game. I mean, they they barely even broke two. They did not. They barely broke 250. That is really good defense, especially in the new NFL, the way everything is. But the biggest thing is on third down, they held Carolina to four for eight, and they were eight for 11 on third down. That is where you dominate games right there. Pittsburgh, they kind of went, you know, like they 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 came to work that game, and their defense has been playing a lot better. This is a team that a lot of people wrote off in the first couple weeks of the season. And I always said Pittsburgh starts slow. This team has always started slow, and they were lacking run game. Once they got a run game, I mean, they ran for over 100 yards again. They keep on winning. This team looks a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. They're a completely different team now. I think the Steelers are armed and dangerous. Um, I just tweeted out my power rankings not too long ago. I had the Steelers decently high up there on my power rankings. Um, Let me pull those up for you guys real quick before I move on here to the NBA and talk my biggest storyline of the week. But the Steelers, guys, I have them fifth right now. They're knocking on the door of jumping the Chargers. I personally think they could jump the Chargers. But as of right now, I'm going to leave them in here at number five on my power rankings this week. So... I mean, guys, watch out for the Steelers. This team is dangerous. This team could be another one of those title contending teams. Obviously, they haven't been very good lately in the playoffs, so we'll see if they can turn things around here. But I really like the way everything's going for this team. So... Let's move here, though, guys, to NBA, keep things moving along. Uh, I'll talk college football a little bit at the end. There's not too many big storylines, but we got huge games coming up rivalry weekend, which is what I'm looking ahead to more so. But obviously, whenever there's a trade of a superstar in the NBA, it is a huge storyline. So the Jimmy Butler trade just went down. Um, Huge move by the 76ers. First off, before I get into the details of the trade, I love the fact the 76ers went out and made this trade. The 76ers played the first couple weeks of the season. They saw that they had not performed the way they wanted to. I mean, this Philadelphia team has been horrible on the road. They got a big road win last night. Missed a lot of people. They're 9-6 and six right now. I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you came this season thinking you and Boston are just going to cakewalk through the Eastern Conference, and it really hadn't happened like that, guys. The Eastern Conference has been a lot better than a lot of people thought. Right now, Philadelphia sits at third in the conference, which is not bad. They know they're in striking distance, but they know that if they want to compete for a title now, Ben Simmons, he can't shoot so what do they do they go out get another guy who can shoot another guy who's a good defender I mean this team defensively is gonna be freakish yeah Covington was first team all NBA defense but I mean Jimmy Butler's that good too the only thing I question is Jimmy Butler's attitude and if his attitude is right this is an amazing trade so 
details, the exact details of the trade was the Minnesota Timberwolves get, or get they trade Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton to Philadelphia in exchange for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, and a 2022 second round pick. A 2022 second round pick. Let me say it one more time. A 2022 second round pick. The Houston Rockets offered them four first round picks. And the way the NBA works now, these picks have to be separated. How are you not going to get a first round pick to rebuild your team? You're really going to tell me a team with Saric, um, Covington, Wiggins, Jeff Teague, and Cat is making the playoffs in the West. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. You cannot tell me that team is going to make the playoffs in the West. The Western Conference is absolutely stacked. You have tons of overachieving teams right now. You have tons of good teams that are underachieving. Right now, you're 5-9, and nine, sitting to second to worst record in the conference. Pretty much every single team except for Phoenix is doing well in this conference, and Phoenix is a genius. Imagine if you could, you could pair R.J. Baird or Zion Williams with Devin Booker, like, Oh my gosh, that would be unbelievable. I mean, obviously, the winner of the trade has to be Philadelphia. Philadelphia went from a mild title contender to a surefire playoff contender, like title contender. Like, Philadelphia is really, really good, guys. I want to see how this works out with them. I mean, this team just got so much better. The fact they added another superstar on this team. Now you have Embiid. Now you have Simmons. Now you got Jimmy Butler. Markel Fultz could emerge at any time. I don't know if y'all saw that free throw shot last night. That was absolutely awful looking. You did lose a little bit of depth here if you're Philadelphia, but I'd give up depth to get as good as they just got, but You have to get a first-round pick. I'm sorry, guys. There's no way I could have made this trade without getting a first-round pick. I would have rather done the trade for Goran Dragic and getting that first-round pick from Miami than doing what they did. I think that they are an absolute loser. I mean, they offered them an unprotected pick. I would definitely have accepted that, maybe even try to get a second one out of them. So I'm not a fan at all of what you get in your if you return here from Minnesota. This is why Minnesota always sucks, guys. This is why they're able to get like Kevin Love and guys like that and still suck. Or this is why they draft players that end up that end up busting. And they finally got a couple good players in there and I still do I mean to me guys Andrew Wiggins is like a poor man's version of DeMar DeRozan DeMar DeRozan had a negative plus minus he goes to the Spurs like I said pop would get the best play out of him which he has already but still though guys DeRozan has to get a lot better or he's gotten a lot better and you have to see the same exact growth from Wiggins and I'm just yet to see that growth in any way he looks like all he wants to do is shoot he doesn't really play a lot of defense he has a good athletic frame for playing it but he doesn't play great defense and he's inefficient when he has the ball in his hands he gets no assists or rebounds he just scores like if you go look at his stat lines it's like oh he had seven 17 points, but he had three rebounds and three assists, and maybe one steal, maybe one block. Like, you got to affect your team in more ways than just scoring the ball. You can't just be a straight scorer. You got to help on the defensive end. Like, his defensive win share is not even that great. So, I really just think that this is a complete dumpster fire right now in Minnesota. And Jimmy Butler, I think, made the right move to get out of there. But at the same time, I don't like the way he handled everything. But this is a deep team right now if you're Philadelphia. I mean, they were a deep team, but they gave up some of their depth to get better. So, I mean, Wilson Chandler, guys, still going to be a great rotational player for them. I really like this Philadelphia team. They're going to be top three in the in the East, and they're definitely going to be a big-time challenger. But, I mean, you got to fear the deer. I'm going to talk about them here in a second. I want to hit one more big-time storyline before I fear the deer, and that is Mello out in Houston. Um, do I think it is right the way they're driving Mello out? Yes, I actually do. Melo is a terrible locker room person. Yeah, I know all these players are mad and upset about it, but I think Melo has to go, guys. He's a defensive liability, and this and this uh, Rockets team has been horrible at defense. I mean, they've been bad all season long. Obviously, what they lost 
like I said, losing Ariza and Ubab Mute, those are two of the best 3 and D wings you can have in the league. So losing both of them is always going to be a huge loss. But I mean, they got guys like James Ennis to try to replace them. They up P.J. Tucker, the junkyard dogs minutes. So I think those two things have worked well for them. But I just feel like, guys, that Melo was not the right fit here. I never liked the move from the beginning. I said if it worked, it'd be great and all. But it really hasn't worked out. And I just think it's time to move on. Melo's had an up and down season. When he's hitting, he's hitting and played well. But like against OKC, when Westbrook's out, he was one for 11 that night with two points. Now, I definitely think Melo can still play in the league. I don't think it's a lack of if he can do it or not. I just don't think this is the right place for him to be right now. And I think Melo needs to move on and find a new team to go play for. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think somebody else still gives him a shot. I think Melo should still play in the league. I don't think he should be blackballed out of the NBA at all. He's definitely better than 50 more players. I agree with you completely there, Steven Jackson. I just don't think being on a team like the Rockets is the right fit for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, he makes no money, so I would cut him too. Obviously, if you can trade him, by all means trade him. But I just don't think it's the right fit for Melo, and I think they got to get him out of there. So I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think his best landing spot now, that is a definitely a tough question. It's tough to think what team right now could take him on. I think it's somewhere in the East. Maybe a team like the Pistons might want to give him a try. Maybe the Nets, maybe the Hornets. I don't know if those teams really want to mess with their chemistry. Maybe a team like the Magic. I think personally the Heat is the best spot. A good friend of his, Dwayne Wade, plays there. A lot of people think the Lakers, I mean, he can shoot the three ball, but he can't play any defense. I don't think the Lakers should bring him in there. I think he'd be a bad locker room guy to have around those young guys. I personally think, like I just said, that the Heat is the best spot for him. Maybe the Wizards, but I don't know what's going on in that locker room either. I mean, him and Dwight Howard might not be a great matchup either inside an NBA locker room. So there's definitely spots out there for you, Melo. Somebody's going to pick you up. I think it'd be wrong if nobody did pick him up. So going to be interesting to see what happens there with the Melo saga. You know, I don't understand how he always manages to be a big-time storyline when he can be this bad. I'd rather talk about good players and good teams, and that's why I'm going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Head coach Mike Budenholzer has completely changed this entire team up. They were able to accomplish something that no team in the NBA had yet, and that was beat the Nuggets in Denver. That was a humongous win at Denver. They pulled away down the stretch on Sunday night. Um, this this team played well on their Western Conference road trip. They lost in overtime to the Clippers by two points. They beat the Warriors. Obviously, Draymond Green didn't play in this game, but I mean, they dominated that whole game, and then Steph Curry went out with an injury. I mean, the Bucks were on top from start to finish that game. They scored 144 points on um, the Kings. Yeah, they lost to the Blazers, but that's not a bad loss. The Blazers have been on fire this season. This team is really, 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 really good this season, guys, and that is because Giannis Antetokounmpo has been playing at MVP level, 25 points per game. 13 rebounds per game, 1.3 blocks per game, 5.8 assists. I mean, this kid fills the stats sheet up everywhere. Chris Middleton is looking for a big contract this season, and he's playing extremely well, too, averaging 19 points per game, 5 rebounds, 4.2 assists. These guys do a great job getting everyone involved. I love how they sw- swap between Brogdon and Bledsoe at point guard. I still think they need to get rid of Bledsoe. Brooke Lopez has helped them stretch the floor, knocking down three-pointers. They have great role players like Ursan Ilyasovil, Pat Connington, um, Dante DiCincenzo is going to be a good one. This is a good team from top to bottom. I mean, they got Tony Snell, John Henson, Thon Maker, all great big men they have here on their bench. They even got Delhi. I hate Delhi, but I don't think he's worth much, but... 
This Bucks team, guys, is playing really, really good this season, and I think they're just going to keep on playing like that. Coach Bud is one of the best coaches in the league. Y'all forget that that Atlanta team that he coached was not exactly that talented. I mean, they lead the team, they lead the league in points per game at 121 points per game, which is absolutely absurd. They're scoring that many points per game, and Milwaukee really hasn't even been that bad on the defensive end, end either, guys. They're 13th in the league in that, and I mean, that's honestly because they're getting up so big that other teams are just scoring the ball off. But, guys, their three-point percentage has been up a lot more this season, which has really helped this team out. Like I said, that's where they struggled the most was they need more shooting, and the Bucks have gotten more shooting in there. They've been playing good defense, everything. They need to cut down on their turnovers a little bit, but I think they will continue to. They play with a lot of pace, though. So, I mean, when you play with pace, you have turnovers. It happens when you play with that pace, but that's what you want to see as your team play with pace. They have the best point differential in the league at plus 11.9. The Warriors are second. So, this Bucks team, guys, has been really, really good this season. I look for them to keep on balling out like that, but I'll wrap things up for you for y'all the NBA. And the last thing I'm do is talk some quick college football. Um, I just want to say this, give a shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs. I've ragged on y'all all week long, every week on this podcast. I've said, I mean, it's just the Georgia fans, man. They're overconfident, but Georgia's really impressed me. The last three weeks, they've ran for over 180 yards and over 300 the last two weeks. DeAndre Swift has been unleashed on these teams. He's busted some huge touchdown runs. This kid's cuts are absurd. Georgia is now 16-0 and in games where Swift scores a touchdown, so that's a big thing. This dog's offense looks like the 2017-18 offense. Wait, losing its LSU gave them the wake-up call they needed. They have bounced back since, and they have had three wins against ranked opponents in a row. Three out of four now against ranked opponents, and playing four ranked opponents in a row. That is big for the dogs. I think they smash UMass and Georgia Tech to finish out the season. Obviously, they got to move on to the SEC championship, but huge college football card, guys, the last week of the season. This week, there's not really any great matchups. It's another one of those eh, boring weeks. It's whatever. I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm an NBA guy, so I mean, I'd rather watch NBA than watch these trash games. But guys, listen to this last week. So you get UCF number 12 going at South Florida. That's a huge matchup right there. Um, you got o, number nine, Oklahoma, playing number six, West Virginia. Hopefully both those teams can stay undefeated. Number 25, Washington, playing number eight at number eight, um, Washington State. Another huge matchup right there. All those games are played on Friday, and then you turn around. Oh, my gosh, it's Saturday. And what do you have? You got number four, Ohio State versus number 10, Michigan. That game tips at 12 o'clock clock and you got number 13 Boston College against number 17 Syracuse not a horrible matchup right there some ranked opponents obviously Auburn Alabama one of the most fun matchups to watch in football I mean something crazy always happens unfortunately I think Alabama is going to blow them out of the water um, can, you got uh, South Carolina Clemson I think that they're a little overmatched LSU goes into Texas A&M that's a hostile environment that'll be a fun game to watch it'll be interesting to see if Notre Dame can win at USC we all know how big of a rivalry that is so I love what we got to finish out the season here it's going to be a fun into this college football season lots of big upsets and stuff so keep your eyes open on that but overall guys I'd say there weren't too many big stories to discuss coming out out of college football this last week. Everything pretty much went according to plan. Two is still playing this week. Alabama plays the Citadel. We know he got a little banged up in that game, but Alabama weathered the story. They played fine. Clemson didn't miss a beat against Boston College. They absolutely blew them out. I mean, Michigan didn't miss a beat either. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma were in a high-scoring shootout, but what have I been telling you all about Kyler Murray? This kid's unreal. I wish he was going to play in the NFL, but he balled out in this game. Huge ballsy call by Lincoln Riley, and he got got it done with that two-point conversion late in the game. That game was absolutely crazy, but I love everything that this Oklahoma team's done. I look for them to keep winning in tight contests. If their defense is worth anything, be weird that game against West Virginia is going to be a shootout definitely smash that over smash it twice probably it's going to be a wild one shootout to watch but 
honestly, other than that Oklahoma game, there's really no top 25 or big, like, top 10 team that had any kind of big scare this week. It was kind of a real laid-back week. I mean, LSU and Arkansas, I mean, if you're playing at Arkansas against a team like that, it's a rivalry game. I mean, they came back at the end of the game. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter in a game LSU was up the whole time. Not really anything to talk about there. Um, The only other thing I want to say is I still can't believe that Ohio State is ranked over UCF. Ohio State has beaten no one. Yeah, they beat Michigan State. He was ranked this week. Michigan State's offense is a joke. That game was unwatchable. I would have rather watched paint dry than watch that game play out against each other. Luckily, I didn't watch the game, but my buddy's a big Michigan State fan, so I was kind of forced to a little bit, but... I just, I just can't put Ohio State above them. They have one loss. They haven't lost in two years. They pretty much have played the same teams. Like, Ohio State barely beat Penn State. It gets gets absolutely annihilated by Michigan. So, I mean, at this point, guys, come on now. Ohio State, though, their entire season on the line against Michigan. I might have to eat my words, but for now, I'm standing by that UCF deserves to be ranked over Ohio State. It's complete BS they are ranked over them. But I'm going to end today's podcast on that note, guys. I appreciate y'all tuning in and listening to me once again. Um, it's been... You know, it's been it's been a hectic week. I've been busy, but I'm trying. Luckily, school's starting to wind down and everything, so I'll be able to hopefully get at y'all more often during the week. Me and Cohen's NBA podcast is starting up this week, so be on the lookout for that. I cannot wait. It's called the Association, so be on the lookout for the first episode of that. But I'm signing off for today, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3. Get at me. Look for picks. New Hot 100 coming this week. I'm gonna try to stay positive. Third week in a row on Hot 100. Big money in play once again. So I'll see you guys. Take it easy. Yeah.